And you really must read Groundskeeping. I do think you would enjoy it. I thought you were going to say you really must read Waiting for Godot. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> but we need to read more well, of man. Beckett. Oh, I forgot to look for him. We were at McKay. I'm sure there was more. That's what... Uh, anyway. I never look at the plays. I always just go... Mm. I had a moment where I had... I was like, oh, I'm going to get going to get plays today. I got some plays. But I meant to go back and get some Beckett. But that's fine. I'll be back. I'll be back. All right. Cool? Welcome. Or recording. Mm -hmm. Oh. We are. I said I'm pushing record. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Look, it's it's a day, but we are foraging. We we're just we're just moving forward. I thought you Welcome. said foraging. I'm like, what am I foraging for? I, I'm I, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. I did. I I did work out today. So check check check. Right. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. Welcome to TBR Lowdown. Hello. Welcome to TBR Lowdown. We're going to have a really your sexy voice. We're like, welcome to TBR, welcome to TBR Lowdown. After dark. After dark. We do. Uh, we need an after dark <laughs> episode. We do. That's what we need. We need okay. TBR Lowdown going after dark. Back to dominatrixes. Dominatrix. Whatever. Um, I don't know. Multiple dominatrixes. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good TBR after lowdown. Uh, yes, it would be. You know I'm going to obsess over finding someone, right? Know that that's going to happen. I'm already in my mind. I'm in that rabbit hole. I think I it think needs need to, to happen. We're using our Instagram as like a call to join us on the podcast. Yes, we do. So yes, we do. Start seeing some weird things in our story, like calling all dominatrix. Just know <laughs> it's the reason for it. Yeah. Um, prison library librarians come on the show. Come I on still the show. Talk to a prison librarian. I really do. Um, Wouldn't that be interesting? I'm yeah. talk to like a librarian too, but like a prison librarian. Mm -hmm. like and we can mm -hmm. have the whole librarian series, like prison, school. Yeah. Um, you just, you brought up when we started just batting around the idea of interviewing librarians. Um, I didn't realize, and of course, when I mean, you said it, I'm like, well, yeah, of course, because this is America, uh, how mm -hmm. difficult it is for librarians of color for their yeah. to get jobs, yeah. have jobs, you know, that fine represent like there's just mm -hmm. not many. Yes. Um, Such, yeah. So all, all I can say folks is, so like we're currently in season one of mm -hmm. the TBR Lowdown podcast. It's the get our just, shit together season. Season two, we have a lot of wonderful things planned. So stick with us. We thank those that have been listening and giving us encouraging words. We appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm interested in this conversation we're going to have today about modern classics because I often, number one, ask myself, what is it? What makes a modern classic? Have I read any that I feel will be modern classics? And are there already existing lists of books that are giving us modern classics or potentially like, like future modern classics? So before we dive into all of that, what are you currently reading or what have you just finished? Well, Naomi, um, <laughs> yes, Susan. Uh, <laughs> I thought about that episode just the other day, but so random. <laughs> Anyhow, so while we were together, mm -hmm. I thrifted, repurchased, reacquired um, two books from a series that I have read way long ago. And I reread the first one recently, and that is Deanna Rayborn, Silent in the Grave. And this is like a cozy Victoriana mystery um, romance that is just so much fun. And I mm. forgot how much I love it. So Silent in the Grave is a fantastic first, first book in a series of romance mysteries where you have this uh, woman, Julia, who comes from a very large, very quirky aristocratic, aristocratic family, but they're very like liberal and more relatable to a modern day reader. Uh, you know, like one of her sisters is a lesbian. Uh, um, there's all kinds of other stuff that's going on in the family. Like she befriends a prostitute in this. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, like they're just incredibly liberal, especially when you're talking about like Victorian yeah. times. 
and it's fantastic. Uh, and I forgot all of that um, going into this. And, but it's also just a lovely little like mystery. And mm-hmm. you have her investigator counterpart, Brisbane, who is this sort of aristocratic, but on the side, on the sidelines, because he's kind of like, he was kind of, what's the term where you're like from the other side of the bed sheets or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's, he's not exactly legitimate. Um, right. He's kind of like sexy and um, cause he's like part, um, he's part Romany gypsy. So like, uh, I'm going to say the, the gypsy word cause that's how they refer to him in here. A yeah. Lot. Um, and yeah. So there's a lot, like, a lot of talk about just the general, like, what's the word intolerance that the gypsies get in general and how her family doesn't really believe in that. So there's, there's all kinds of like political things that are, and politics and stuff that are like broke through here. Uh, liberalism that's broke through this story as well. And it's just, I don't know. I just have such a good time. I love it. I love, I love, I love it. every time he plays the violin and he plays some like sexy, I don't know. Thing. I love I just- how happy <laughs> this, this book makes you. I I also love the fact that you owned it before, read it before, gave it away, and and then then you just bought it again, and you're reading it again. And I'm in love again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. All right. So I am almost done with Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung, translated by Anton Mm Her, And these are short stories translated from Korean. And I just have to say that I am in love with this book. I, they are so creative. Some are very dark. Some are bordering uh, scary. Some are really, really weird. But this is such a wonderful collection of short stories. Like the first one, I just, I can't stop thinking about. Should I tell y'all about it? I'm going to. Deal Tell with us, it. Naomi, because I, I really so, need to read these because the fact that, that you love them so much and they're creepy and just weird, I'm like, that's creepy. Yeah, that's so the first one, so this woman, um, she's married and, and she ha- has a baby. Every time she goes to the bathroom, she sees something like peeking out at her from the toilet. And it happens every single time she uses the bathroom. Like, where is it peeping out? In the In the toilet. In the toilet? Yeah. So she like uses the bathroom and then she like, you know, looks back and sees something. She flushes and then it like returns. And so eventually she just like closes the lid and doesn't use the bathroom for a while. um, Thinking that the thing is going to go away. But then she goes to the bathroom again and like there it is. But like now it's bigger. And it's like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Is it it a sentient poo? It's something. It's something. It's disgusting how it's described. And so later on, she has a baby. And then when that child becomes like, you know, toilet using age, then that thing is appearing when her daughter goes to the bathroom. And so she's trying to escape this thing, but it's it's never really gone. And so eventually what happens is this thing is like fully formed and it like comes out of the toilet. And like it sheds itself and it's just basically her. It's a carbon copy of her. And this thing that has formed in the toilet is so angry at her for having been on the outside, living this wonderful life, that this thing says, now it's time for me to live this life. And then it makes her go into the toilet. It is so weird and so bonkers and I cannot stop thinking about it. But the way it's described really is disgusting and I could not get enough of it. So that's just an example of some of the short stories in Cursed Bunny. And also the short story titled Cursed Bunny was really good. I, I just want to say, just please pick it up. If you've never read a short story collection, if you've never had an interest in reading a short story collection, I'm just going to say, give this one a chance. It's It's fantastic. So- Y'all who are listening to this audio need to go to TBR Lowdown dot com and look at the uncut video for this episode because Alyssa's face right now is saying all of the things. So so here's here's my immediate thought when you start talking about toilet creatures. So um my ex-husband was reading this book 
Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about this book. And I, I, I think I purposely blocked out what this book was um, because I don't, I don't want to know. Um, but in this book, and someone's probably going to tell me now because it's, it's yeah. in this book, there are were these, it's like a sort of fantasy book, like an apocalyptic fantasy book. And there were these creatures that essentially lived at the bottom of a latrine. Mm-hmm. And they just like ate your poop. And as soon as you said that, my mind went back to that. And now that's all I'm going to think about every time I go to the bathroom. You're welcome. Especially like a porta potty. Because every time I do go into a porta potty, I do make sure there isn't a creature in there. You're welcome. <laughs> and there's sloths that live in toilets too and like eat. Po- I mean, I have like, I've just got, you've sent me down. I want to call it a rabbit hole, but it's not. It's a poop hole of, of horrible thoughts. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a fantastic short story collection. But you know what that also sounds like? What was that movie? Was it Them? The one with the bunnies and Jordan Peele that came after? Oh, I didn't watch that. We, they, so, yeah, I didn't watch it, though. I... I wanted to watch it, and for some reason I didn't. I forgot all about it. But yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of similar. Yeah. But not with toilets. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's just giving you like a little, little teeny but tiny so, taste. Like, but like, wouldn't you be mad if there was another you and all you did was literally shit on it all the time? Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is not the point of this episode, Amy What? You're welcome. Why did you put me down this road? I just wanted to give the people just a little brief example of, you know, the kind of stories that are in here. I got to really think about this all day. Yeah. So I'm hoping to finish it this weekend. I'm just think about poop creatures. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. So that's a uh, Curse Bunny by Bora Chung, translated by Anton Her. And this is shortlisted, right? Is it shortlisted? I don't know. You're the one who keeps up with this stuff. I think it's shortlisted for the International Booker. I need to double check that. I wait for you to read things and then tell me what of the book prizes are worth my time. <laughs> this one definitely is. Definitely, definitely is. Because I do not care enough to read them all beforehand. Nope. I don't know how and why I've become obsessed with knowing and then following. Yes, it is shortlisted for the International Booker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Read it, people. Read it. That's all. I just want you to know through the rest of this episode, my internal monologue is just me thinking about poop creatures. Well, shouldn't we all? (laughs) What's in your toilet? I don't want to (laughs) know. Oh, your turn. (laughs) So a modern classic. What is it? <laughs> That's a segue. Um, I did look it up, right? So the best I can get is what is considered modern classic literature, according to the Google, is um, a modern classic book is typically written after World War One and possibly World War Two because these two events marked the emergence of new ideas and ways of thinking, such as ideolo- ideologies of race, gender, and class. But that feels so long ago now. Yeah. Um, so are we get, are we in a period of redefining a modern classic? It's interesting, right? Uh, I don't know. So, okay, what does Book Riot say? Book Riot says, all right, the term modern classic gets thrown around a lot, but what does it actually mean? I've seen lists of modern classics that include books from as far back as the 19th century and from as recently as five years ago. But aren't books from the 19th century just straightforward classics? Yeah. And aren't books from five years ago too recent to call a classic at all? Part of the problem is that we don't know what a classic is to begin with, <laughs> and throwing the word modern in front of it only makes things more confusing. But the term seems to mean something like, Books that we think are great and will probably become classics someday, but it's too soon to tell. So we'll just make a good guess. And maybe by giving them that label, we can help them stay popular and keep people reading them. So they stick around long enough to be classics in their own right. That feels more accurate to me. Yeah, I mean, I think a classic (laughs) is a book that's 
has some sort of like seminal work of fiction or whatever attached to it where it stays in the populace like whatever brain space I've, I've lost you know what I mean like it stays in popular reading for some length of time and stands up to the test of time in some way shape or form so there's still like every with every generation after it comes out there's still some way that you're actually relating to it and connecting with it and I um, think discussing it and studying it I think that's yeah. a big part of what makes a classic too you know I mean yeah. because if you think about it many of these classics are forced and pushed on us through the uh the, the school yeah. <laughs> uh, sector whether it be high school and or college but i think they're also hugely dealing with very commonplace and and uh like human experiences mm -hmm. that, um so that you can keep going back and and revisiting and dissecting the text mm -hmm. of how it deals with these very common things like um you know you keep going back to the scarlet letter because you're talking about whatever you're talking about you're talking about adultery and sinning and um sort of mob rule and cultural shaming and like there's all different ways that you can keep going back to this text mm -hmm. and having different relationships with it right right um and you might not have that same feeling reading something else. Like maybe my Silent in the Grave book. Right. It's just like a fun read that we don't need to dissect because that's yeah. not what it's here for. Yeah. So we've got a, a list here from Book Riot. And... I thought it'd be kind of cool to go through this list. It's a 100 must read modern classics, but I, and I think Alyssa will most definitely agree. Um, while it's not one yet because it's too new. I do think that the profits by Robert Jones Jr. has the potential to become a modern classic. That's the kind of book that you can revisit and dissect mm -hmm. and look at. It is so wonderfully complex and it's structure yeah. and the way that it is attacking all the different narratives that it's talking about in there and the amount of, i mean it's just so I, right just like i would are you shocked that we're talking about the prophet right just like i would say that beloved and maybe the street are already mm -hmm. modern classics i think that uh passing is in that category because I mean, you, you, I think, but I think it's already considered a classic passing, isn't it? I don't know. I, mean, I think it's it is. There now that you have all of this, you know, movies and things going on and people are talking about it more and like authors are rewriting the story in modern ways like Britt Bennett. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's definitely, but I don't know if it would have been a classic of a mainstream classic in like 15 years ago, I don't know what it would have, because would it have just been a classic of like a niche, like this is a classic black literature, or is this like classic without putting a caveat, a caveat on it? Well, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel well, like that's the other thing when we talk like about moving, classics, most people think about just like European based classics, but I feel um, like passing has moved from being like a niche classic to a broader category classic i think it's becoming just a very popular book period mm -hmm. but it was already deemed a classic mm -hmm. but it's just become very popular in the last what two years mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah so and thank goodness for that because what a extraordinary book so good so good extraordinary yeah so wow, let's talk about books we never talk about passing i know so well let's go through the list and let's see if we Agree to some read any author in general, and I, I think it's, it's further down. But this Barbara Pym lady, I saw her in something because I assume she died recently or she got some. I don't, but like, I want to read this author. So, this is Excellent Women, Excellent Woman by Barbara Pym, published in 1952. This actually sounds really good. A clergyman's daughter and a mild mannered spinster in 1950s England, she is one of those excellent woman, the smart support of repressed women 
who men take for granted. I would read that all day long. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Barbara Pym. That's a lie. I have heard I, of Barbara Pym, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't know who she was. Yeah, so I've never read anything, and I only discovered her, like, I don't know how I even just randomly discovered her, but that was, like, last year. I didn't even know who she was until last year. Yeah, Invisible Man's on here, and both of us own this book. I need to read this book, and mm-hmm. this is a book that I'm familiar with, and um, I'm I'm very interested in getting um, into this one, Invisible Man. Uh, I, I think... think we- mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think we've all read The Crucible. but we're used to I was going to say, school. I think we've all read The Crucible in school. The same as Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. A Kiss Before Dying by Ira Levin. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. This is now a Martin classic as gripping and as tautly plotted action as it is penetrating in its exploration of a criminal mind. It tells a shocking tale of a young man who will stop at nothing, not even murder, to get what he wants. That, like that pulls me in. Yeah. That pulls me in. Oh, we've got a favorite on here. Waiting for Godot. Waiting for Godot by Samuel Beckett. Yeah, everyone should read that. It's weird. It's it's a lot of things. Beckett's just weird, but you know what? Waiting for Godot is is like how many times in our lives are we waiting for Godot and we're never getting anywhere? Like, Mm -hmm. ah, okay, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Yeah. You can literally pull up just do go on your YouTubes and put in waiting for Gato and watch somebody use the play. Just watch somebody do it. It's yeah, weird I'm, and bizarre. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And buy just just and and buy the play and read it. It's 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 a great read. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna read all of these on the list, but I'm skipping down to because this is interesting. And I do have a lot of her books because I plan on reading stuff her stuff, but the talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. Um interesting. I do I, I bought I bought this series last year and like three or four of her other books that I really wanted to get into Highsmith in general. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they feel like this would be deemed a modern classic. That makes me want to read it even more than I already did. So this is, this is going to be my what, little complaint here for a second. Um, and not about this list. So I was looking for um, some books the other day, you know, Hazy left me at Barnes and Noble and I was just perusing. And it is incredibly hard, at least around me in mm-hmm. my Barnes and Noble, to find a lot of these, what I'm seeing on here as being modern classic novels in a bookstore to buy. Because I was looking for Patricia Highsmith, nothing. I was looking for Sarah Waters, nothing. I was looking for things that feel like they should have something in there. Nothing. Because they're really backlist. Yeah, they're really backlist. But like, you would feel like, they would have a copy of something because they're classics that everyone's going to read. Right. I feel like a Barnes and Noble or a books a million or, you know, whatever pop in any, you know, uh, chain retail What's bookstore or whatever. I think it feels like to me, the makeup of their books is like maybe 90% front list and yeah. 10% back list. Because I'm just scrolling down, and if you see anything in between um, the talented Mr. Ripley um, and here, but like something like On the Road by Kerouac, like I can find that all day, every day. And so let me tell you something that's so funny, and I almost laughed out loud when this happened. When the new Barnes and Noble opened uh, by my house, and I went in there that first time, and I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just looking around, and this young college kid comes in, he's like, "Uh, Yeah, um, I'm looking for On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And I'm like, Wow, you guys are still (laughs) wanting that book. You know men, what I mean? Men, I, I, I never read Kerouac, and cause like the the male beatniks, like they just don't really do anything for me. But yeah. um, I like my my ex husband really liked them. Uh, I liked Kerouac, and I sometimes feel like I need to read like on the road to figure out if it is a red flag book like Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, I just. I just like found Zen, it so have you ever funny. Had Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No. Like no. And I am not going to read on the road. I'm sorry. I am just not I'm going not to do read it. it. But there's days where I think, like, do I need to read this to decide <laughs> if my opinion that this is a red flag book is correct? Or um, maybe it's just an Alyssa red flag book, and that's it. Yeah. But when this young guy came asking for that book, I'm like, hmm, times do not change. They don't. You, 
It was so funny. You know, and I was like, I don't want your fake deep nonsense. Like, take your fake deep Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance on the road, you know, howl right. nonsense out of here. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, to Ooh. me, the beat, the beatniks, like, you're kings of the beatnik generation. Mm-hmm. They are like hippie patriarchy to me. I don't know. I just I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. It's something that doesn't, I don't know. Maybe it's it's completely unfounded, but there's just something in me that doesn't that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of a turn off. Oh, I have this book, Palace Walk. I've got that trilogy. What is that? Um, I can't it's uh the Palace Walk is a part of the Cairo trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um and one day I scored, McKay just had all three right there, and I was like, Yes, you are waiting for me. I can't pronounce this Ooh. gentleman's name. Um, but it's the saga of a Muslim family in Cairo during Egypt's occupation by British force, British forces in the early 1900s. And it has really wonderful reviews for the entire trilogy. So I'm hoping I can get to that this year. Have you heard of the assistant by Bernard Malamut? No. So this novel unerringly evokes an immigrant world of cramped circumstances and great expectations. Malama defined the immigrant experience in a way that has proven vital for several generations of writers. Hmm. Very interesting list. Do you consider the Goldfinch by Donatar a modern classic? Because what do you, what do you think? I've heard some people. I would think that if I had to pick a Donatar book, it would be the Goldfinch because I don't think that I don't think that What's the other stupid book that I don't like? That first one about, um, what was it called? Little Strangers? No. Oh, oh, I thought you meant her. Okay. No, her first one's Secret History. The middle one is Little Friend. And then I like The Goldfinch. Um, I I think that The Goldfinch is much more of like an exploration of like actual human experience than A Secret History. Oh, absolutely. So I think that I feel like you need that piece. Somehow you are you are you are dissecting human experience from some angle that is poignant and interesting for it to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Because that is what's going to keep people coming back to it because humans are humans are humans are humans and we keep repeating the same things over and over again and you know, the more fun, like a thriller or this, that, and the other thing, like, yeah, they're good, but they're yeah. only going to be forgotten in the like adults of time. But those things that really dissect human experience, those are the things that are going to, that are going to last. I think in my opinion, my humble opinion. I often wonder if an American marriage by T.R.E. Jones would be considered a, a modern classic one day. I can't answer that because I haven't read it. Oh, that's right. You haven't read it yet. Yeah, I do. I do wonder about that book in particular. Oh, um, on here is a, a translated work that I really would like to read that comes up a lot, and that is "The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea." It's a uh, Yoki Yukoi. There you go, Mishima, um, and it's, it tells the tale of a band of sa- of savage thirteen year old boys who reject the adult world as Ill- Ill- illusory illustri- I can't even talk mm. <laughs> hypocritical and sentimental and train themselves in a brutal callousness they call objectivity so we just sound I, don't, I see it pop up a lot like you want to yeah start. I got distracted by this is what happens when you give me lists Naomi I just scroll through it and I'm like ooh 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 ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah of course to kill a mockingbird which I'm never going to read oh a raisin in the sun I did buy that play wait you've never read kill a mockingbird no and i don't want to um i don't i don't remember reading that in school maybe i did but i don't i don't want to read that book i i don't remember reading it and i'm not saying you have to read it but i'm like how did you get out of reading it in school i don't remember and i was in school a long time ago i may have but i do not remember ever reading that book books that i've unhauled and rehauled um cash 22 i still never read but i have unhauled it and rehauled it Mm, same same we'll get there yeah yeah. I've heard of Cassandra at the Wedding by Dorothy Baker. 
Dorothy Baker's entrancing tragicomic novella follows an unpredictable course of events in which her heroine appears variously as conniving, self-aware, pitiful, frenzied, absurd, and heartbroken, at once utterly impossible and tremendously sympathetic. Yeah. I don't know where I've heard about this book, but I have. And that's from 1962. I mean, there's two here that are have to be here. Bell jar, fire next time. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. I'm always looking for that book by Lacar, John Lacar. I don't know. Yeah. 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 A Woman in the Dunes. The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon. I only have one book by him called The Bleeding Edge, which I have not read yet, but Mm -hmm. I, I do hear a lot about him, but I just, I haven't read anything, so... I have I nothing to compare read it to. In Cold Blood by Capote, and I, I had it for a while, and then I think I, I think I unhauled it at some point. And I need to haul it back. I was looking at it at McKay's, but now because McKay likes to like these kinds of books, McKay actually charges a decent amount for it because people are reading them all the time. And I get it; that's supply and demand, right? So, so I don't want to read it because why? all I ever hear is how boring it is. I always, I never hear just like from beginning to end. It's enthralling or captivated or just so good. I always hear that the majority of that book is very slow and boring. And it has turned me off so much. I think I just find Truman Capote very interesting because he's kind of like a little twerp that helps hang around of rich women in Manhattan and Mm -hmm. kept their secrets and exposed their secrets. He's He's kind of like a fascinatingly... I mean, I think then maybe like a book about him is probably more interesting than reading In Cold Blood. And isn't there a book about him yeah, and all of his little shenanigans with his, mm-hmm. uh, all his I forgot, what is it? What is it called? It's something like t- terrible people doing terrible things. Something like that. There mm-hmm. is a book about that. I would rather read that than In Cold Blood. What I won't read is Breakfast at Tiffany's because I love that movie so much and the book is so different from the movie mm. that I am not ready to, like, I don't want to somehow, I don't think I can separate them in my brain, so I just have to not read the book. Interesting. Now, here's a book that I always hear about and I really want to read it. It's 84, Charing Cross Road by Me too. <laughs> Helene Humph. I don't know how to say that last name from 1970. It just sounds like such a charming, sweet, cozy book. I really want to read it one day. Sounds wonderful. I want to read The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin because I want to get into more Le Guin. And did you know that Le Guin actually also like translated, translated books? Work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, what? Who? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know everything. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I don't have an interest in reading her. Although I've heard nothing but fantastic things about what she writes. But because I don't know. Don't, I don't. Because you don't need to read all the things. Yeah, I don't have a desire to read her. I'll let you enjoy that. And you can just tell me all about it. I also wonder if Pachinko by Minjin Lee will become a modern classic. Probably. And I do need to watch that because it's already on Apple TV. I did just get The House of Spirits by Isabella Allende. Uh-huh. Uh, so I do need to read that uh, hopefully soon. Oh, Your House on Mango Street. Did you read that recently? I did not read that. Who read that recently? I don't know. So I, this book that people always talk about, and it's always on all these lists, uh, The Why Sargasso Sea by Jean Rise. Reese. You read that and you hated it. I really hated that book. And I'm trying to figure out why people think it's so amazing. I, like, I, for the life of me, I can't be, figure it out. Isn't it supposed to be the story of um, what's-his-face's wife before? Is that the one that's like Jane wife? Yeah, it's one of those, but like yeah, the Mr. story, Rocky. not Jane Eyre's wife. <laughs> I just made them listen. The story just is—I don't know. I just—I just think it's—I think it's terrible. I really hate that book. Um, and every time someone talks about how wonderful it is, I'm like, "What is it that you saw? Or what is it that you got that I didn't get, or that I didn't see? Like, what the hell am I missing?" You need to read the unbearable lightness of being. Yeah, I have it. Because you told me to, and I did get it. But you didn't. No, not yet, but I'm going to. Beloved is on here. What's on here? Beloved. Oh, okay, good. 
Good. So it's like Joy Lux Club by Amy Tan. And I've oh, I have that. that. Have you ever read that? No, that's why I bought it because I want to read it one day. Because I remember everyone being like, probably when the movie came out, because this book was published in 89. And probably when the movie came out, I remember it being like a big deal. I remember when the book came out. I mean, I was, and it, and I, and that's why I bought it. I was like, I'm going to read that book one day. I have a beautiful copy of it, so um, that's exciting. Oh, look at me by Anita Bruckner or Brockner. She's someone I want to read. I think she also does. She wrote that wrote that book called something like Hotel Duloc or something like that. I don't know. Oh, the Secret she, History is on here. I'll she's someone I'm very interested in reading. No, I, I disagree. The Secret History should not be on this list. Look right. Yes. Hotel Duloc. Anita Bruckner. I want to read that. But I've never heard it look at me. I feel like we're in different parts of this list now. We're just having our own our own moment. It's Blindness. fine. Blindness is on here. Oh, but that's oh okay. I never that's hear about seeing. Season. I never hear about yeah, the nobody sequel. Ever- Nobody ever talks about. We never even finished it. I just feel I like know we get the same love, which is interesting. Nobody wants that part. We just want to end in. But I still I want to finish seeing. We need to get there at some point. So, Love Medicine by Louise Erdrich is on here, which I do own. What is that? And it's actually book that. one of a series that she has. Um, it is a multi generational portrait of a strong man of strong men and women caught in an unforgettable drama of anger, desire, and the healing power that is love medicine. Hmm. I do think she's a good writer, but I did not really love the sentence that she wrote that was long listed for um, the Women's Prize. Did you read that recently? Um, Because it was for the Women's Prize for this year. Yeah. Um, What's on here is something I got this weekend. This past weekend when we went shopping, The God of Small Things, which everybody really, I think, has equal parts powerful family saga, forbidden love story, and piercing political drama. It's the story of an affluent Indian family forever changed by one fateful day in 1969. I love it. That's got great reviews all over the place. You need to get it. Another book on here, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, that is an incredible book. It is very violent. It is very dark. I can't wait to read it again on my McCarthy journey. Um, I'm not surprised to see it on here. It's it's an incredible, it's an incredible book. Yeah, we love violent books. It's really good. Oh, have you read any Jamaica Kincaid? No, me neither, and I need to. But her book, A Small Place, is on here. Um, I've heard about Jamaica Kincaid for quite some time. I rarely see Kincaid in the thrift stores or the used bookstores. So I'm going to have to um, seek her out online. But I would love to dive into some of Kincaid's work for sure. Um, I also picked up the things I carried this weekend for Jesus. Oh, okay. Uh, it's an unparalleled Vietnam Testament, a classic work of American literature and a profound study of men at war that illuminates the capacity and the limits of the human heart and soul. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I feel about the secret history being on here. Like you said, I want, <laughs> I haven't read it. I did look for it when we were out last week and I didn't see it anywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you run across it at the book barn, cause I told you I would read it. I told you I would read it. I would read it. If you run across it at the book barn, please grab me a copy. Yeah. I think that's where I found mine. So, I mean, I'm yeah. go there for a little bit cause we got so many books this past weekend that I don't even know where I'm putting them. Um, but yeah, I, I will keep an eye out for the for it. Uh, I'm a little bit mad because now that Amazon is like, we, so now there's all the Amazon sellers that are going in and, and just crushing the book thrifting. Yeah, it's really it's really frustrating. Um, so I feel like they like they just decimate the book born now. Yeah, they, they do. And like the regular booksellers, it's really it's really annoying. Because my book barn is like a little hidden gem, hidden gem in the Hudson Valley, and it's not so hidden, and everybody comes there, and they're in there with a little scanner. It's just like, <laughs> right? Draw my books. I don't like it. Go away. I need to peruse my books in peace, please. That's too bad. That's really too bad. Uh, but you know, let me try to the library. I'm happy for the library to get the money, but like, I'll get the money too. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's, this was a, this is an interesting lesson. I think the, the, the topic of what makes a modern classic is very interesting, uh, as well. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting that something like Gabriel Garcia Marquez is on here, but it's for a hundred years of solitude and not for like love in a time of cholera. Um, like how do you pick like somebody that is something like that, right? Somebody who's written many works of fiction Mm -hmm. that are incredibly, have been incredibly well received and have kind of changed some of the landscape of literature. Like, uh, you know, he really perfected magical realism. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, it's definitely a complex question. I think it, it would be interesting if we could live long enough to see which books we're reading now that get to stay in the mm-hmm. hundred years. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's all very interesting. Also too, it'd be interesting to see like, let's say maybe 40 years from now, will people be more inclusive in general when they talk about classics as a whole? Yeah. You know, will we actually expand the classics to include works from authors of color? That'd be interesting to see if that shifts a couple of decades down the road as well. And not separate them out. I mean, I think we've stopped separating things out. I mean, we still will be like, I feel like we will also separate things, but I feel like there are larger, more inclusive lists now than maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting if we kind of get rid of a lot of the dividing. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to go. So we have to wrap this up. Yes. So do you have a book recommendation? I do. And I just finished it yesterday. I tell you, thank you, Double Day, for this book. It is The Hard Sale, Crime and Punishment at an Opioid Startup by Evan Hughes. I'm going to tell y'all something. These damn pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical companies are just, they're they're out of control. Mm -hmm. So this guy, John Kapoor, he has a longstanding career um, in pharmaceuticals. And he founded this company called Insys Therapeutics. He was married to a woman that he just, he loved deeply and she died of cancer. And, you know, towards the end, the unbearable pain that he was in just kind of sent him reeling down this road of trying to develop a drug that would help people like his wife who had just debilitating pain, Mm -hmm. something that they can take that would take effect rather quickly, like within five minutes or less. Mm -hmm. And he's that kind of personality where he wants to be in control of everything. Um, And, and while he's, he's building this company and he has other people involved, he's the kind of leader that it's very hard to survive him at work. Mm-hmm. Because once he digs in, he's in. Once he's made a decision, that's it. There's not a lot of wiggle room. So people want to be a part of this company because it's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just trying to survive John Kapoor is extremely difficult. Long story short, they developed this drug. What is this drug called? It's called, oh, I think I forgot the name of it. Anyway, it's the kind of drug that you like inhale or something or like spray in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And it takes effect rather quickly. And if you've read Empire of Pain, which was about the Sackler family and how all those drugs were made, this is kind of the same thing. Now, all those same drugs are kind of like reformulated mm-hmm. to make even more terrible drugs. And this is kind of what this guy did. And so it's a story of them trying to develop this drug to get it on the market, creating this uh, speaker program where they got doctors to like host events to like drum up, you know, uh, attention for this drug for other doctors to use. And it was also a way for this company to pay these doctors to promote this drug through this speaker program. It was just very, it was all very disgusting, uh, very illegal, but <laughs> very much was it the way. Illegal at that time? When was this? Cause it might it, not have been illegal then. This was the early two thousands. So you're not, you're not supposed yet. to do it, but people were doing it. So it's something you're not supposed to do, but it was something that was very much done 
in that industry. And there was another company that had gotten in trouble for, they got fined in a huge way for, for doing similar things, not just with the speaker program, but with other stuff too. But every company tries to find a way to be more discreet about the way in which they're paying doctors to drum up business for these drugs. But it was a really crazy story of how they even like attracted people to come in to become sales reps for these drugs, how the people in the company, like how they preyed on certain individuals who were really in need and just in need of money. And they could see like a slight potential of, Mm -hmm. uh, of a drive to sell. So they chose people who were in a hard spot financially, but who had also kind of, had a harder life because they had a really different, a different way of looking at like getting the money and selling things. So they didn't come from an easy background. So selling for them to get the dollar and to keep the dollar and then make more dollars was more intense. So they went after people in those kind of situations. And it was really a crazy ride of a terrible leader, awful people working under this leader, poor sales reps who were being manipulated and then really persuaded to stay because of all the money they were earning, but then being terrified that they're doing something potentially illegal mm-hmm. and being afraid of getting caught. Mm-hmm. And then having some sales reps really come into like having to come to Jesus moment, like, Oh, what we're doing really is wrong. And I think I'm going to get in trouble too. So I want to be the first one to snitch and become mm-hmm. a whistleblower. Like all these things are happening in this story. It's a lot, but it's a fantastic read. Because it also shows you that even when other pharmaceutical companies get in trouble for doing X, Y, and Z, it doesn't matter because the next company comes along and does the same thing. And they kind of all sort of get away with it at some point. Cheers to capitalism. Right. So that is the hard sell crime and punishment at an opioid startup by Evan Hughes. And this is currently out now from Doubleday. Thank you, Doubleday. So I have a very different book. Um, so uh, I was just perusing my shelves, and I don't know if I've ever talked about Empire Ooh. of the Wild by Sherry DeMoline. DeMoline? DeMoline? It's probably said more Frenchy than, than it. But anyway, uh, I don't have, like, a nice accent. Um, but so she is a – this is, like, her debut American novel, but she also has a uh, young adult – fantasy series called the marrow thieves which i have the first book for i think the second book is out now and i haven't read it yet but i know that jess owens has and she really liked it so i got it and then i realized that they were the same author and i was like Mm, mm -hmm. so this is actually a thriller and uh she she's an indigenous writer from canada and um this deals with this like uh they're called uh rogarus and it's kind of like this werewolf creature in like the indigenous culture of wherever she's from in Canada and it deals with that. And it's, it talks a lot about what it's like to be an indigenous person, like modern day in Canada. Um, and like how the, it, they interact with like modern Canada, Canadian society. I'm going to try to wrap this up so you can get out, but I'll just read you the summary. It's really good. It's, it's very haunting and it deals with it. It uses a plot device that or something in the plot that I really always find super creepy. And that's like the big tent preacher. Oh, yeah. So that you throw that in a thriller or, or any yeah. sort of book and I will immediately get the chills. They just freak me out. Anyway, so, so Joan has been searching for her missing husband, Victor, for nearly a year. Ever since that terrible night, they'd had their first serious argument and he he'd mysteriously vanished. Her Metis family has lived in their tightly knit rural community for generations but no one keeps the old ways until they have to. That moment has arrived for Joan. One morning, grieving and severely hungover, Joan hears a shocking sound coming from inside the revival tent uh, in a gritty Walmart parking lot. It is the unmistakable voice of Victor. Drawn inside, she sees him, the same face, the same eyes, the same hands, but he doesn't seem to recognize Joan at all. He insists his name is Eugene Wolfe and that he, has a rev- that he is a reverend whose mission is to spread the word of Jesus and grow, t- grow his flock. Yet Joan suspects there is something dark and terrifying within this charismatic preacher who professes to be a man of God, something old and very dangerous. Joan turns to Ajan, an elderly foul-mouthed card shark who is one of the few among her community still steeped in the traditions of their people and knowledgeable about their ancient enemies. With Ajan's know-how and the help of her Johnny Cash-loving 12-year-old nephew Zeus, Joan must find a way to uncover the truth and remind Reverend Wolf who he really is if he really, if he is, 
if he really is, her life and those of everyone she loves depends upon it. So it's it's, mm. it's, it's, it's got like this like creepy well, now I want to read it bent because of like the whole like werewolfy thing going on, and it's it's really good. But we need to let Naomi go because she has to go. Empire of the I now want to read that. Okay. That's good. The Canadian cover is even better. And uh, yeah, it's really good. And I think, uh, yeah, William Morrow sent this to me a while ago. So. I, I, I've heard of that book. I've seen that book, but I didn't know what it was uh, about. It's, so it's, it's a really good book. And you will always get me with the revival tent creature. I, don't, I That will always send chills down my spine. Maybe I'll, I, maybe I'll just look for the audiobook for that. That sounds like I can read, listen to that without having to read along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, let us know what you think um, about our conversation about modern classics. Do you have any books that you think are already modern classics or should be modern classics? Let us yeah. know in the comments. What is the definition of a modern classic? Yeah. 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 I think the topic of classics in general is always evolving. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. Agreed. Book Riot, why didn't you put the goldfinch on there? I'm curious. <laughs> Probably too new. Well, um, yeah. Well, the secret history's on there. Yeah, but secret history she wrote like 30, 20 years ago. Oh, was it twenty years ago? Remember, she's she writes. There's like ten years in between. Oh, that's right. Books. That's right. Okay. Well, never mind then. Never so, mind yeah, then. She wrote that a long time ago. That's that's an oldie. Oh, never mind. I don't even know where that is on here. Yeah. But, All right, folks. Well, thanks for thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in on that one. <laughs> Leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're watching the video, please like and subscribe. Please do. Thank you. Yeah, that's going to do it for us. We're checking out of here, folks. Bye. Bye. Well, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We kindly ask that you go to Apple Podcast and subscribe to our show and leave a review. That would help us out tremendously. Don't forget to follow TBR Lowdown on Instagram at TBR Lowdown and visit our website for show notes, the link to join our Discord book club, and other information at tbrlowdown.com. You can follow me, Naomi, on Instagram at BookLadyReads and follow Alyssa on Instagram at NerdyNurseReads. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Until next time. <laughs>